Good evening and welcome to this Friday's edition of Stockwatch. I'm Zinati Kuma. And joining me to wrap this week up are Rikas Riedas from PSG Wealth Reimsach and Arela Saskin from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Thank you to the both of you for joining us. Now I want to start off with you, Rela. I mean, just talking markets. Nothing big has really uh, moved market sentiments this week. I think the anticipation is really for uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech at the uh, Fed's family meeting um yeah so he's speaking today at the jackson um whole uh, economic symposium there's just been so much hype ahead of that and i'm wondering if it's warranted when the fed has consistently reiterated time and time again that they will tackle inflation that they committed to tackling inflation and basically whether we get to a soft or hard landing we're just gonna see yeah, I completely agree with, with what you say. I think the Fed has been quite strong about tackling inflation as, as their number one priority now. I think some of the market may think that maybe inflation has peaked and so now it's time to start tapering down the aggression at which the Fed is using with its interest rate hikes. Um, but yeah, I think the expectations from, from, from our side at least is that they will stick to their guns. Uh, inflation is still very much uh, in the system. Uh, we're still seeing high energy prices, high food prices, um, water crisis in the US. We've seen uh, the crop uh, in the US maize crop come out smaller than expected. So there's still things that are feeding into high inflation in the US. Yeah, quite interesting because it really does seem like the markets and the Fed are kind of like on different wavelengths. Um, because yeah, as much as you know, inflation has decelerated in the in the US, it's still it's still at record highs. And it also doesn't mean that it will it, it, it will decelerate some more. I mean, it's a wait and see game. Um, Rickus, um, we had South African inflation numbers coming out uh, for July, surging 7.8% from 7.4% in July. Um, I'm wondering if that has changed your sentiment in terms of how or where you're looking at putting your money to work on the JSC. I think so much of that depends on what you and uh, Rela has just discussed, and that's the um, U.S. interest rate policy going forward. And what you've just said is very true. You know, there's an old adage, don't fight the Fed. Um, if you think markets are going to go up, you are fighting the Fed because they are clearly committed yeah. to, um, to their policy of getting inflation lower. So I treat at the moment um, rallies, whether it be in the US or in our market, um, you know, with a bit of a suspect, if I can call it that. Yeah. The only outlier to a certain extent are uh, commodity markets, which, as I've said previously, in an environment uh, where inflation will come down, but will it go down low enough for an economic upswing to start? That's the main problem. So if we're sitting in a stagflation scenario, then commodity markets, strangely enough, is not a bad place to be. And we are, I think, um, you know, this is very short, but certainly over the past week or so, the um, the price behavior in commodity and commodity shares has been encouraging, at least for the short term. 
All right, so as we're talking about inflation, and of course we know that that really digs into the pockets of consumers, let's talk about an area um, where we are seeing um, uh, being affected by the strain in consumers' pockets. So there's a question here, uh, cash build uh, versus Italtal. Is it worth it going into building companies now that the home improvement boom has slowed significantly? Consumers are under strain and also looking at their vulnerability to in-country risks such as the civil unrest. Uh, so if I look at the news that came out of this week, Cash Build came out with a trading update saying that they expect uh, their earnings to slump um, uh, more than a third of a percent. Um, also saying that uh, they expect their revenue to fall by double digits. Then you have Italtal posting a 9% um, surge in earnings um, with that revenue down slightly. So... Would you go into this kind of sector, um, Rela? And if, if if so, then which would be your preferred pick? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I think it's very much expected that sales for, for this time at least have peaked for both of these companies and we will see some softening going forward. Um, having said that, I think it's largely built into the share price. Um, if we look at Italtel, for example, it's trading at quite attractive multiples at the moment. Um, and so the market has priced in the fact that, you know, we will see softer revenue, we will see earnings decline. Both of the companies have, uh, you know, a strong record of, of good management execution. They're very good at keeping costs under control. Um, so I think when you're looking at picking one over the other, it's possibly looking at the market at which they're targeting um, Italtal has a, a focus on a slightly higher income market and they're likely to be more resilient versus the lower income market that cash flow targets over the next, say, year or so. Mm. What did surprise me actually with cash build was that even though they came out with this kind of bleak earnings picture, their share price was actually up um, something like 2% on the day. So, uh, Rickus, would you say that you know, investing in these companies would basically be your belief in terms of management and the internal initiatives rather than the macroeconomic environment? No, <clears throat> you said exactly what I was going to say. I don't think the, the environment is very positive for them in the short term, as we know. Therefore, it is um, taking a look at, at management. And as Rela said, also the market that they serve. And I agree with you. I suspect your higher-end consumer is more resilient. What bothers me a little bit, or I won't say bother, but what puts me in, in favor of Italtal is that they're pretty much a market leader into, into their product. Whereas Cashbuilt, um, historic, historically well, or despite their very good management, um, their marketplace is getting fiercer as far as competition is concerned. And also, the target audience is extremely price sensitive. So, it's um, I think it's it's more difficult for them to steer through these troubled waters than than Italtal, who has a certain amount of um, price control. If I call it that. Just a um, a random comment from me because I'm thinking there was a time when was it in 2020 or 2021 when. Um, Pepco was trying to sell the building company to Cash Build. And I think that deal was um, uh, given the thumbs down by the Competition Commission. Um, and I think it was during the time of the home improvement boom. Looking at Pepco's 
business, core business, and then you have this random building company, and it, it, I, I feel like it has been doing well. Rela, would it not maybe have been an option for them to kind of spin it off in, in, instead of like selling it to cash build, maybe listing it separately? Uh, yeah, I suppose that is an opportunity. Um, I'm not entirely sure in terms of the size, whether it would have been uh, sort of big enough and had the balance sheet to support itself. That would be the one consideration to take into account there. Uh, um, yeah, it certainly would have been a good fit with cash flow, but again, they, they, they would have dominated the market in certain regions. Ah, okay. Well, uh, let's look at uh, more uh, questions. So we have one on Avenge. Does the panel believe in an Avenge comeback story at all? Uh, they posted a profit for a second consecutive year, even though it was significantly less than the prior period. They have projects coming up. They've cut debt. The Australian business posted its highest revenue in six years. Uh, Trident Steel seems like it's about to get sold, and there are exciting developments for moments. Um, Rickus, do you think there is a comeback story at all for Avenge? Well, they've certainly come back from, from it all. Yeah. It was almost a, a funeral. But So, yeah, they've, they've done well in their latest results. What bothers me is that they are trading on super thin margins. So anything goes wrong, um, you've got a problem. Um, so I wish them well, but as I said, considering their margins and, and how quickly for something like a, you know, that kind of company, if things go wrong with a project or two, yeah, you're in trouble. So, um, so it's great if you're adventurous. Um, I think they've, they've managed to do a lot. From a very bad situation, but but I want to sleep at night, so not for me personally. Yeah, um, Rilla. <laughs> so um, Rika seems to think that you know they have come back from the worst of it, but there are uh, you know some concerns, including the super thin margins. He wishes them well. Um, do you just wish them well, or would you actually put <laughs> your money in there? <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to join Rickus on, on his comments. Um, it really takes one project delay. Um, uh, we've seen similar things with other, the other construction uh, companies with contingent liabilities. And, you know, one project to go bad for, for all the hard work that they have done to get to this point of recovery to be reversed. Yeah. It is a survivor, though. So, I mean, so is, is this just your thoughts? Are they just on Avenge or are they also coupled up with the construction um, industry in, in general, Rickers? Well, that's they can't avoid the sector that they are, are dealing with. And, and um, it's a difficult sector to start off with. So if we kind of get a kind of economic recovery, that becomes less, although it doesn't disappear and your general environment as far as construction is concerned whether it be interference or or what have you cannot be controlled by the company so mm. um, it's a it's a low margin business in a very difficult environment so something goes right spectacular results but but on the downside if not you're you've got trouble
Rela, on your side, just your sentiment on the construction industry. And actually, when we saw those unemployment figures uh, coming out earlier on this week uh, with a quarter two unemployment contracting, we did see um, construction being one of the sectors that did employ people. In fact, um, quite significant considering its share to GDP. So are you seeing any kind of positivity coming through to the construction sector um, in, the, in the short to medium term? I mean, I think the, the main sort of trigger that you need to watch for are these projects from Sunrail and the government to come online. They really are the, the primary pipeline of big infrastructure in the country at the moment. Um, our property market, most sectors of our property market are quite saturated. So from the private sector, I see quite a limited opportunity for, for growth in the retail and office sectors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, previously the Sunrail projects were, were put on hold uh, because of suspicion around corruption of um, how they were, they were being uh, given out to companies. Um, and you really need to, to rely on those projects for your big companies, the likes of your Dollar BH and, and Railbex. It's a big portion of their pipeline uh, and they, they really rely on that. Um, let's get into hospitality. We've actually been getting a lot of questions on hospitality, I think. Everybody's just seeing December around the corner. Um, and I mean, just next month is spring already. So people are quite um, excited for the summer season. Um, looking at hospitality, Rilla, would you say that the valuations look attractive right now? Yeah, so I mean, for some of the hospitality counters that we do have, but certainly, I mean, with a bit more certainty that we won't go into further lockdowns, things are looking a little bit more interesting. Um, yeah, balance sheets are looking a bit stronger, which, which, which helps the case of your likes of your son international. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we need to keep in mind the bigger macro picture. Um, are we going to get the international travel that we're that we're used to pre-COVID? Also, are our local uh, residents likely to to travel and spend on some of the higher end hotels, which fall into a portfolio like your Sun International, as as an example? Yeah. Um there was actually a viewer that uh, said that um, they hold all of these stocks, so Tsoho Sun City, City Lodge, um, and they got them at very low prices, but now they want to consolidate, um, sell, and just maybe um, end up with one. Rickus, would you be selling any of them at this point? Um, no, I'm, I'm cautiously op optimistic. And, 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 um, you know, and that is on earth, you know, on what is going to happen forwards. Um, I actually picked Sun International a couple of weeks ago, uh, and the results came through, and one could see the oper operational gearing coming through from just a little bit of a increase in um, in people staying over or, or or coming to visit. So, so there's that with the week around. You don't have to go back to pre-COVID levels to actually have a good result going forward. You just have to have better tourism, uh, better travels. And I wouldn't necessarily want to consolidate because, as Rilla said, they they um, they service different ends of the market, whether it be your sort of price hotels, Sun International, business traveling, mm. you know, City Lodge. Um, yeah, but the narrative depends on things staying stable and having a little bit of a positive increase in, in people coming into the country. And I won't be too surprised if a lot of Europeans 
come to sunnier climes as a result of not having enough energy in the houses. Yeah. Um, talk about businesses that are benefiting from the opening up of economies, uh, Bitcorp being one of them. So they came out with earnings as well this week. Uh, they have seen a strong recovery in their, uh, their, their hospitality clients. They also talk about revenge buying uh, behavior. Rella, would you be putting in a bid for Bitcorp? Yeah, I mean, Bitcorp's always been, you know, a really high quality company. It's a great business model being a service company, uh, not capital intensive. Um, their results came out quite strong and showed uh, sort of a good trajectory going forward with a strong jump in revenue. As as you mentioned, people sort of catching up on, on spend in the, the food industry. Um, the valuation is looking close to full at the moment, though, I would say. There's probably just a little bit of upside left. So I probably wouldn't go all in at this point in time, but yeah, yeah, get a little bit of upside from here. Yeah. On your side, um, Rikas Bidcorp, uh, is there anything that concerns you there? Not really, I must say. Um, I mean, they've, they've managed COVID, they've managed input prices, they've managed to grow revenue, they've managed to grow margins. So everything looking hunky-dory. As Rela said, I think they are not a bargain at these prices. I don't think they're too expensive either. So um it's a bit of a sitting on the fence opinion but if i've if i've had it i would hold it if i have a longer term view um you know waiting for something to get cheap is, is not always um the best advice because you might miss it but if you plan to have this kind of quality in your portfolio as i said you're not going to get a bargain but i don't think you'll be overpaying either mm. all right there's a question here let's get into commodities Merafe's share price plunged uh, when it put out its interim results. It posted a 60% surge in earnings and almost doubled its dividend. Has the market not been too harsh on Merafe? Of course, we did see the share price plunging after those results. Um, Rela, is this one that you look at? Um, yeah, to be honest, I haven't looked at Marafi in quite some time, um, so I'm going to hand that one over to Rikas. <laughs> Rikas, is Marafi one that you look at in that resources complex? Yeah, I do. The problem is, as always in commodities, you've got a single resource stock. You've got a bit of a bother if, if, if headwinds turn up, which it has in the case of Marafi. If you just take a look at, at management statement going forward, pretty negative. So it was a great set of results. Um, I think the problem is they probably won't repeat it in the second half, considering the cost of actually uh, producing the chrome. And obviously, uh, uh, chrome price itself going forward is not looking all that great as we have a slowdown in, in the biggest consumer, which is, which is, which is China. Mm. So great result, but um, I think uh, market expectations were a little bit high, dividend was a little bit low, and part of that is because they don't control all the cash in that in that company as they are in a joint venture with uh, with um, Glencore, which which basically has a certain de de determination of what you can pay out to um, to to shareholders. Yeah, um, really, you don't look at Marath, but you do you look at Sibanye uh, Stillwater. Um, what did you think of that performance? Because um, yesterday, when they released the results, I guess you couldn't really gauge what the market reaction was because um, I think Palladium was up on the day. So 
you had those disappointing results, but then the share price was up. So what was your reaction? Because, I mean, you did have um, earnings slumping, of course, reporting uh, a number of operational challenges at each of the divisions. But they did pay their dividend at the higher end of their, their, their policy. So what was your reaction to those results? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason for sort of a limited uh, market movement on the day is they had guided very well to sort of what the results would look at in a previous trading statement. So I suppose from the information that was additionally disclosed in the actual results, we had already got a sense of, you know, the, the sectors that had more than disappointed already. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, across most of the operations um, on the gold side. I mean, we knew about the strike, but I think the the decline in production was larger than than expected, um, as mentioned in the trading statements. Uh, on the PGM operations, we know the challenges they're having and, you know, they have revised the mine outlook um, for that operation going forward now, uh, given labor shortages, um, higher energy costs as well. Um, what was impressive is they kept their uh, costs under quite good control on the SAPGM operations yes. side. So I think that was probably the, the, the one positive outlook. If you compare their cost control versus the other PGM miners, um, we saw in all of them today, their, their costs up uh, very high double digits. Uh, that was quite impressive. Yeah. All right. Um Another counter that I was quite confused by um, in terms of the market reaction was Cap Industrial. So the first thing, obviously, I checked after the company released their results was the share price because last week when they put out a trading, uh, a trading update, that share price surged about 10 11%. And then with the release of the results, they were down 4%, that share price. And so I went into the numbers and I saw that when it comes to HIPS, um, they grew it by 73% below the guidance. I think the lower part of their guidance was about 88%. I mean, was, was that the problem, Rickus, or was there something deeper when it came to, to those results? I, must, I, can't, I can't really comment on, on CAP's results. Um, yeah. being, with, being with PSG, I can't actually invest that for clients. But just generally, um, you know, they've got so many moving parts, which is great. They've all diversified. So, so um, the one tends to, um, to, to compensate for a sector that's not doing so well. You know? oh. um, so I thought it was a pleasing set of results, but as I said, I don't follow it to death because really it's it's uninvestable for me personally, although yeah. obviously not for anybody else. Uh, um, Rela, do you have any comments on CAP? Yeah, I mean, I think similar to possibly some of the commodity counters, I mean, they've got large exposure to oil and chemical prices where, you know, those prices have possibly peaked on the oil and the chemical side, and so they produced... Yes, historically a good set of results there, but you know it's all about what is the outlook looking like going forward. Um, on some of their industrial segments, uh, very much linked to the SA macroeconomy, and I think again their growth is looking slower. Um, so yeah, I think it was a it was a solid set of results, but I think the the outlook in certain of their segments is looking weaker. Mm. All right, let's get to your stock picks for the evening, uh, Rickus. Where are you hanging your hat on today? Um, I think the thesis is that I'm always looking for a company that can have a possible change in their earnings profile. I think one that suits the bill is Ultron, which is continuously or continuing their um, um, 
you know, re-engineering their businesses and what the company is actually doing, sitting on a, on a decent valuation, even after the um, split off of Bice Technology. And there's an obvious sweetener in that um, one of their subsidiaries, Netstar, you know, looks like it might be um, listed separately in the same way as Bytes was. Management has given no indication of that, but they've also, in the latest um, results, not denied it either. So I think there is a possibility of that. But even if that is not possible, I think they are re-engineering themselves um, for the future rather than what they were. And at current prices, I think, probably offers va offer value in the market generally, which is very, very uncertain. Mm. All right. And on your side, Rilla, your stock pick for today? I'm going to go with Mondi today. Um, I think just based on where the valuation is at the moment, it's always been a high-quality company. Um, if we look at their half-year mm -hmm. earnings updates, their earnings from continuing operations coming at about €100 cents a share, um, even if they produce half those earnings in the second half at a sort of a long-term forward PE of 12 times, you're getting to the current share price. So what the current share price is ignoring is that they're getting quite a fair value for the sale of their Russian assets, will be, which will be paid as a special dividend uh, to shareholders. So at the moment, it's looking like that, that dividend from that sale is, is almost free. I think there is um, some concern that the, the, the uh, Russian regulate, uh, regulators won't pass the sale, and that's possibly why it hasn't been priced in fully. Um, but what we've seen from previous examples is that they allow the sale to go through, but at a lower valuation. So even under that scenario, I still see upside. Mm. All right. Well, thank you to the both of you uh, for giving us uh, some insight on uh, the questions that we have gotten today and uh, what has been moving the markets this week. Uh, that's it for Stockwatch this week. Thanks to my guest, Rikas Rieders from PSG Wealth, uh, Reimsuch, and Rela Saskin from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Uh, from me, Zanati Kuma, and the rest of the team, have a great weekend. <laughs>